0: hi i'm dustin
1: and i'm steve today we are joined by heidi thompson of evolveyourweddingbusiness.com and author of the book clone your best clients which is available now in paperback edition and also in digital form on amazon heidi's been featured in the huffington post on sprouting photographer on photo biz expos on wedding wire world on six-figure photographer And she's also an advisory board member for the UK Academy of Wedding and Event Planning. And after hearing all of the great places that she's been featured, you're probably wondering why she's slumming it with us at the wedding photo hangover today. Well, we don't know either, but we're super thankful to have her. Heidi, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out with us today. I have so, so many questions to ask you about marketing. But first, I have to know... You said on your website that you met your husband through Napster. Yep. And I was wondering uh, if it's not too embarrassing, what were your usernames in the chat?
2: Oh, my God. I don't, I don't even know. I, it, was, it was probably something embarrassing, just like <laughs> everything was back then. No, I, I really don't even remember.
0: Dragon Slayer 32 <laughs>
2: Something super awesome like that, I'm sure.
0: She downloads a lot. 95. <laughs> those, are, those would be my go-tos. I like that. But that story is pretty cool. Just, I mean,
1: you guys met, you were 12 and he was 13 in an Appster chat, right?
2: Yeah, and that's to our best knowledge because... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've known each other for a super long time. Obviously didn't know we were going to wind up getting married. So we weren't mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, we met on this date. But um, yeah, we were like AOL instant messenger buds for a long time.
0: Oh, man, that takes me back. Right. But do, do you remember your AIM username, though?
2: Oh, boy. I remember it had Bubbles in it, specifically (laughs) because I was a big Powerpuff Girls fan.
0: Nice. You know what's funny is there's going to be people that listen to this podcast that don't even know what AIM is.
2: I know. I've know. i had to explain to people when they've asked us how we met what dial-up internet is. (laughs) (laughs) And that is just like, I'm sorry. I don't have the context to explain this to someone who... (laughs) wasn't
0: there you're like do you know how you can now text people on your computer that's what i used to do over the internet
2: i like to lead with the sound
0: Mm, that's a good one
2: yeah and then it just terrifies people
0: (laughs) (laughs) i
1: like to imagine you just like making the mouth noises for that sound in somebody's face just like direct face-to-face conversation uh, give uh, us, yeah. give us that sound, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi, you do not have to do that.
2: <laughs> good, because I'm trying to not very good at it. Okay.
1: Fun. <laughs> so, before you started your business helping wedding professionals and businesses to better market themselves, um, another thing I learned from your website is that you were literally
0: selling shit. Is that safe to say?
2: <laughs> yeah. It uh, was. <laughs> it was just- <laughs> I love to be able to say, right? Yeah.
0: It's always good on the resume.
1: You're heading up marketing for a fecal transplant company, and I just wanted to ask like what were some of the challenges that you were facing when you were doing those campaigns for
2: your marketing? Explaining to people why they should buy someone else's shit? <laughs> was the fake one
1: (laughs) you can't just take out a craigslist ad for that
2: no I mean you could it would probably make the best
0: of but (laughs) I can just see the tagline our shit
2: sells (laughs) the, the fascinating thing about it was like the biology behind it is just crazy and like it works there were these people who were sick for decades and then they bought some shit and they were better
0: I actually wow. saw that on an episode of The The Good Doctor. I watch a lot of TV, Heidi.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. It's becoming more and more common as we talk about how much bacteria lives in us and how important it is. Yeah. But yeah, it was definitely an interesting and fun job.
0: <laughs> so are you still doing that or are you kind of? That is behind you.
2: I'm not still selling shit. Darn. But it was a good time.
1: I don't think you literally don't have time to sell shit anymore, I assume. Because you have EvolveYourWeddingBusiness.com. You have uh, the Wedding Business Collective. you got a book that you just wrote that you're promoting. Like, you got to be super busy right now.
2: Yeah, too busy for shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It just gets better.
1: <laughs> so Heidi, um I was kind of curious. Uh I was reading a lot of stuff on your blog and your website in preparation for this. I was just curious, you talk a lot about social media on there and you also talk a lot about like getting your website looking really good. And if if photographers really crunch for time right now, they have like their wedding season coming up. Um, and they can only really spend time either like managing their social media presence really well or like concentrating on updating their website to uh, make it more streamlined and make it easier for people to Contact them and to book them. Which which one would you suggest that they spend more time on?
2: It would depend on where they find the gap so If they find that people aren't contacting them off of social media, you might want to work on improving that. But if you find that you're getting people to your website and they're not converting, I would absolutely focus there. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the place that is a big problem for a lot of different types of wedding professionals. You know, you get people doing their research and statistically, you know, people are doing hundreds of hours of research before they make purchasing decisions. And it's really easy for someone to come across you like your work, um, and then not take action. So I would say eight, nine times out of 10, I would probably encourage them to focus on their website because, Once you drive the traffic there, if it isn't doing its job, then you're driving the traffic for nothing.
1: Mm -hmm. Makes sense. What are some of the biggest problems you see with people's websites when you start to work with them?
2: Ooh, okay. There are front-facing things and then technical issues. So the technical things, and with photographers, this is a huge issue. uh, Optimizing your images for your website is Mm -hmm insanely effective both from a usability standpoint as well as an seo standpoint you know simply doing that can bump you up in search and that's something i've actually done a podcast episode about i had a photographer on who did literally just that Mm -hmm. and it got him to page one wow because you know you guys have so many photos on your site there's so much to
1: optimize so when you say optimizing your photos, like what does that entail?
2: So the sizes, I know a lot of photographers who will put their high res or f- somewhat high res images on their website and that slows everything down mm-hmm. or they upload this just the size is gigantic and they're only using it at, you know, quite a small size, maybe for like a blog post image. Mm-hmm. So definitely Changing the sizes is a very easy thing to do. There are plugins that will help you do this as well. But for search, the biggest thing you can do is have alt text set for your images, which is what you are telling Google this is a photo of. Mm. So Google's like your blind friend. Like they can't, they can only see text (laughs) if they're (laughs) image blind. So they don't know what this image is unless you give it specific text. And if you give it text that is optimized for what you're trying to rank for, maybe that's including your location. Maybe that's including the venue it was shot at. That's going to make it a lot easier for you to be found for those keywords. Mm -hmm. Those really small things actually make a big difference.
0: But doing all text is like, ugh. It's the most like yeah. mind-numbing, shoot-myself-in-the-foot thing. It is. But I know I need to do it. I need to do it.
2: It is. And I mean, if you could find a virtual assistant to do it and you could instruct them on the kinds of descriptions you were looking for, that's something you could easily hand off.
0: So where does one look for a virtual assistant, Heidi?
2: there are of course places like um what was elance and upwork and now i believe is just upwork Mm -hmm. okay so you can look on places like that you can look on marketplaces like that fiverr hire my mom all those types of places but i hire my mom yeah a lot of stay-at-home moms who are looking for virtual work
0: that's fantastic And a lot of kids who want to pimp their mom out. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Had to go there, Steve.
2: My mom keeps borrowing money from me. (laughs) Uh, One of the best sources I found, though, is Facebook groups. You know, just asking, does anybody know a virtual assistant who works on X, you know, whatever type of thing it is? And you'll probably find quite a few people who either our virtual assistants have worked with someone that they can recommend or are currently working with someone they can recommend.
0: Gotcha. That just shows me that I really need to buckle down and work on my alt text
2: (laughs) (laughs) or have someone else
0: do it or, or, or pimp my mom out.
2: Have your mom do it.
0: Does she have some free time Dustin? (laughs) (laughs) I wish She's too busy watching my kids so that I can watch TV and learn about poop transplants. (laughs)
1: Well, she's helping you get an education, so that's great.
0: There you go. Just just a little research before the podcast. <laughs>
1: You're like, Steve put in something about fecal transplants. Well, I guess I have to go watch a
0: whole season of this doctor show. Figure that out.
2: The proper Great homework. Use of time.
0: The, about right. Yep. Then I had to do, you know, some trial and error with uh, some live patients. And then I had to reboot Napster and download some <laughs> stuff. And I think the FBI might be on to me now. <laughs> Napster's gone legit. You're probably good. Okay, Don't worry good. about Whew. it. Whew. So
1: Heidi, in a recent blog post, you talked about how readers can improve copy on their website. One of the things you wrote about was the idea of talking about benefits versus talking about features. Um, I was wondering if you could explain to our listeners the the difference between those two and the impact that it can have on visitors to their site.
2: Yeah. So this is the thing. I find two groups of people have the hardest time with this and they're planners and photographers. And I think it's because they're Mm -hmm. very logical minded people. And they think of things in very linear processes, which is great. I love that. But sales is in large part about the emotion that you're selling. Mm. So the difference between a feature and a benefit. Uh, So an example I like to use is when the iPod first came out. I... Read this story about the marketing of the iPod, and it was genius because it wasn't the first MP3 player to come out. Mm-hmm. But still, at the time, nobody really understood what an MP3 was, what an MP3 player did, uh, you know, the size, like if it was like four gigs at the time or whatever. Like, okay, what does that mean? Those tech specs are features. And that's why so many companies weren't able to have success with MP3 players. But what Apple did with the iPod is they didn't sell it as an MP3 player. They sold it as a thousand songs in your pocket. Mm -hmm. That's the benefit. The benefit is what the feature does for me. Good. So if you take a feature like eight hours of coverage at a wedding You can append so that to the end of that sentence to help you start thinking through and figuring out what that benefit is. And it might take a few times of questioning yourself about, you know, okay, why does this matter? Why does this matter? But what you get to is going to be something much more emotional. So it might come out to look like something like eight hours of coverage so When your dad has had one too many and bust out his dance moves, (laughs) we're there to capture every moment of it.
0: But we're not there quite long enough to capture you (laughs) falling out of your dress.
2: Yeah, it's a perfect time frame.
0: (laughs) Sold.
1: That is like the number one thing I get from brides is they'll come up towards like the end of my time coverage and they'll just be like, everyone here is too drunk, so you can just leave if you want. (laughs)
0: <laughs> to go now off it's time life, for me to get drunk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cha-ching!
2: But that. that is a way of describing it in a way that you're like, "Oh, okay. Now I understand why it matters to have someone who's available for this amount of time, as opposed to this other amount of time, because they don't know." Mm-hmm.
0: And I find that it's typically like, the, as far as time goes, there's like two trains of thought. There's the bride who wants you there like the entire day. And then there's the mom who's like I just don't understand why you need to be there before the ceremony. Can't you just show up like right when the ceremony starts and then leave right mm-hmm. after dinner? So it's sort of this educating mom more so I feel than than the bride.
2: Yeah, and that can absolutely be worked into the way that you're describing the features, the way that you're describing a package that you offer, and why these things matter, because you should never assume that they know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They probably don't so
1: when you got married, uh, whenever that was, did you find yourself uh, looking for these sorts of things, like when you were like looking for your wedding planner and your photographer and stuff like that? were you were you looking for people who did a good job of communicating to you the benefits or? Do you remember about that? Because I can't remember that kind of stuff from when I got married.
2: I had a super small wedding because I was about to move to England. So mm-hmm. all my money went to immigration.
1: Oh, okay. wow. Oh, yeah, because your husband was from the UK and you're, you were yeah. from Detroit, right?
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I had to pay for visas and all that fun stuff.
0: Kind of goes with that whole slogan, imported from Detroit. Right. But ex- <laughs> exported in in your case.
2: Right. But I definitely was really drawn to people who I felt like spoke my language, who I felt like I could connect with on a level of just, you know, I liked them as a person, Mm -hmm. which I would be willing to bet is why people listen to you guys.
0: Wait, Steve, do people, people listen to this? (laughs) Does does this go out to the world? I thought this was a private conversation. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we have been sharing this with people, Dustin. What? Um,
0: everybody oh, knows the terrible intimate, things you've been saying. My on our intimate podcast. secrets. Yes. I'm sorry, bud. My drinking problem. <laughs> oh. All right. Back to you, Heidi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, Back to <laughs> Heidi's drinking problem, I guess. But, yeah.
2: but I'm sure like you guys find yourself in all facets of life, just being drawn to working with people on whatever it is that, you like mm-hmm. and that you like their approach. you like the way they communicate. You know, if you're the kind of person who doesn't like very formal, traditional kind of n- way of presenting yourself, you're not going to work with someone like that. So I know for myself, perfect example, the woman that I call my magical taxi unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> She's awesome. I love her. Like, I had a call with her a couple weeks ago, and I was just like qu- sitting here cracking up. Like, we were just joking around with each other while doing my taxes, like having a great time. And it's largely because I knew I liked her as a person. I can tell that mm-hmm. from her website. She's a person. She's not like, okay, I'm going to be a stuffy accountant stock photo.
0: Instead, she's got a photo of her riding a unicorn with like glitter and fairy dust. and That, that, that needs <laughs> to happen. And we need a copy of that photo. <laughs> yeah.
2: But I think people largely underrate the importance of having personality in your mm-hmm. copy, as well as, you know, really explaining things in a way that, Connects with what the person you're marketing to actually values.
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: point. I mean, I was initially drawn to you when I first found out about you because you had a GIF of Scrooge McDuck on your website and I was like, that's the coolest thing ever.
2: (laughs) And that's strategic. I mean, that's... (laughs) How can I best represent the kind of person I am in text? Okay, I can write like I speak, but I can also use fun GIFs.
0: And you, you attracted that 30 something male who, uh, (laughs) your your target market right there.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) I work in the wedding industry.
2: There you go. I've got a business that
1: needs marketing done. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Heidi, from another one of your blog posts, you talked about, um, mindset and whether or not people's mindsets are holding them back. And, uh. Specifically, you talked about getting comfortable with saying, I don't know, which is a word not many of us like to say. Um, And I know it's very difficult, especially like the first time to say it to like a client or an employer because you're afraid that they'll think less of you or something. And I was just wondering... Do you remember like the first time or just like a significant time early on where you finally just were comfortable saying, I don't know, to a client or an employer?
2: Hmm, that's a good question.
1: Hard hitting <laughs> questions here. You can take your time. You don't have to like shoot back or anything.
2: I'm trying to think of a specific time, but I don't know if this kind of feels like something I've always done. And maybe that's just my personality, but Mm -hmm. a way to pat it that I've always used is, I don't know. Let me check on that and I'll get back to you. Nice. Because it's just that then I don't have the information in front of me. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not like I've never even thought about that before.
0: That's where we use the whole husband, wife photography thing to our advantage because if we're not together, like, oh, that's something Corinne would know. Let me go Mm, check with her. And get back to you and then she does the, the same thing
2: that's a good strategy I like that
0: but then that the book
2: <laughs> but I think so many creatives put so much pressure on themselves to be the knower and expert of all things or mm-hmm. if they're not that then they're not good enough and then comes the self-doubt and the sabotage and the imposter syndrome that of course plagues everybody.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And I think the more comfortable you can get with admitting, you don't know everything and admitting that there are going to be some things that you do and that you try that are going to flop. And that's fine. The more comfortable you can get with it. It's never, you know, fun, but Mm -hmm. the more you can look at it as, okay, this is an experiment I ran and (laughs) if this were a lab experiment, it would have exploded. Okay. (laughs) What have we learned from that? Right. And moving forward from there, as opposed to making it internal, you know, like this didn't work because I'm a horrible person and I'm bad at what I do and I'm not good enough. And maybe I should just quit and get a job. But no, 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 no. There are so many different variables that go into anything that Mm -hmm. if it didn't work, there are probably about 10 different reasons why, and you can start to unravel those and figure it out so that the next time you try something, you don't have that same experience. Mm
0: -hmm. Makes sense. And I mean, I've
2: definitely done that. I've, I've released stuff that flopped. I've, you know, published things that I've gotten flack for. I've, Mm -hmm you know created courses that didn't go anywhere created services that nobody took me up on but
0: guests on podcasts that no one listens to
2: (laughs) yeah apparently
0: (laughs) or apparently they do and i just not didn't know about it i try to keep
1: dustin uh you know away from the haters and the the people who push back against us so i just keep telling him nobody's listening he shelters me so kind my big brother (laughs) <laughs> so you kind of transitioned from talking uh, about like when i asked about like saying like i don't know you kind of started to push into my next question which was uh you also men- mentioned in that same blog post about um having f- being fearful about things in your business and kind of pushing through when you feel fear- fearful or anxious and I-, I believe you specifically referenced um adele and uh, how she feels before concerts. While you were talking about that, and how she's she gets really like uh, I don't know, like pukey I would say before a concert. And I was just wondering, like, can you think of like you mentioned like you've you've released things that have flopped, you've released things that you've gotten a lot of pushback on, and can you like tell us like what what a time has been like where you felt fearful, but you pushed through, and like you felt like a lot of success, and you're really glad you did it afterwards.
2: Oh man. Um, definitely writing a book Mm -hmm. because I knew I could do it. I write a lot. I had a great editor, which was super helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, so I knew I could make this thing. It was just how it was going to land that I Mm -hmm. didn't know. And that's, you know, wholly out of my control, Mm -hmm. which is scary. You know, you don't know what's going to happen when you put yourself out there and you're essentially opening yourself up to judgment and feedback from people that you might not want. And while I did have, I had a couple people actually before I even launched the book, when I, when I shared certain things that they just didn't seem to get it. Like when Mm -hmm. I shared my cover art, that I was going to use, I had at least one person who was like, well, you should do something like this instead. Yeah. And I could have been like, Oh, maybe I should do something like that. And I was like, no, it's done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm <laughs> over this at this point. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. Like fine. Whatever. If you don't like it, that's fine. But, uh, I am, Very happy to say that I've gotten really, really great feedback on the book. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy I put it out there. And I mean, even times where I've put things out into the world and they didn't work, I'm still happy I did them because I've always learned something from that that helps me going forward. And I feel like Mm -hmm. starting a business is like the ultimate self-help journey. Yeah. You know, you discover things about yourself and you have to deal with your shit that comes up. And that's, you know, exactly what happens. And you can look at those times as I'm horrible and I failed, or you can decide to look at them as, okay, what can I learn from this? So I don't make the same mistakes next time. Mm hmm. And then you can also shield yourself from having to go through that with the same thing again, which is never fun. Do you
1: ever feel like with your businesses, because they're so focused on helping other people market and sell themselves that you kind of use yourself and your business as just like, well, I'm going to try this new thing out. And if it fails then I have some new bit of knowledge about failure. And if it succeeds, I have some new bit of knowledge about success that I can pass on to the people who are, you know, working with me and coming to me for advice.
2: Honestly, not consciously, no. I mean, maybe somewhere in my brain, but when I'm feeling like, you know, when I'm starting to get, as you said, Adele getting pukey, (laughs) I know I'm probably on the right track. Mm -hmm. Because it means I'm doing something that isn't, you know, like smack within my comfort zone, which is how we grow. Yeah. So if I don't feel that, then that might be an issue. Mm -hmm. And I do the same thing actually with when I change my prices. I do it and then I get uncomfortable and then I make myself inch it just like ever so slightly past it. Just to try to stretch myself and then I force myself to just publish it and then I go run away from my computer and see what happens. Because, yeah. <laughs> like, you can always <laughs> change things, like, whatever. If you try something, it doesn't work, just change it. Yeah.
1: Especially when you're pu- publishing to the web. I assume with your book, it'd be a little bit more difficult to get a change in, right?
2: It would. I would have to change that, although it would be doable. It would take a little more work, though. So. That's so, why I have an editor for that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um editor i'm gonna need to re-release this paperback
0: (laughs) so do you foresee yourself now that you've gone through the the book writing making process doing a second book down the road
2: possibly the really funny thing is like people were asking me this like a couple weeks after i published my book and i don't have kids but it kind of felt like I had just had a kid and like three weeks later, people are like, when are you going to have your next one? And I'm like, oh, go away. Go away. <laughs>
0: I'm still breastfeeding this one. <laughs> yeah.
2: This one's killing me, man.
1: <laughs> you got to make the rounds. You got to like do all the talking to like different podcasts and stuff like that to get the word out. You got to do guest blog posts and all that kind of stuff to like market the book that you just wrote. And it's like, when do you even have time to think about this next book that you want to write?
2: Yeah. And I knew I wanted to write a book for a long time. I'm like Mm. the little nerd as a kid who always wanted to write a book, but, (laughs) uh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it, I, it kind of sat on the back burner for a couple of years, actually, for a couple of different reasons. Like I didn't have the time to focus on it. I didn't I didn't have the time. I didn't make the time to focus on it. Um, and I didn't know specifically what I wanted to write about. I knew I wanted to write about something about marketing, but that's a whole world. Like I can't put all the marketing into mm-hmm. a book. Like there has to be something specific that I'm working on. And the the subject matter for the book actually came through client work. It came through, taking people through this process that I was using and seeing them get results from it. So I then kind of formalized that process and fleshed it out with, you know, some teaching, some descriptions on how to actually do this yourself into a book. So I would have to have something specific Mm -hmm. that I knew I wanted to do.
1: So Heidi, I was also wondering if you could tell us a little bit about the Wedding Business Collective. Um, I was recently just reading through one of the testimonials from Liz Courtney Photography in Clarksville, Tennessee, and just seeing how it had changed her business. And I wanted to get an idea of like what the services that are provided through that are and how it's helping business owners to book new clients and stuff.
2: Sure thing. And I love Liz and I'm glad you read her testimonial because she's a rock star. The wedding business collective is a membership based program and it's Mm -hmm. every course I've ever created, which is, yeah, a lot over $4,000 worth. And I'm adding to it constantly next month. We're doing, uh, we're doing one on Instagram, so Mm -hmm. that'll be getting added to it. And what we add to it is directly influenced by the people who are in it and Mm -hmm. what they need so it's great because it's this test bed you know i can see lots of people are asking questions about something specific so i can create a course for them which is how actually our facebook ads course came about Mm -hmm. a lot of people asking about it so i was like okay all right i obviously need to create this and provide it to the members so on top of the educational piece There are a couple different tiers to it, but uh, there is group coaching that we do once a month group call to work through whatever is going on in your business that you need help with. And we also have a Facebook community so that you can ask your questions in a private place and know that, you know, no one else is going to see them or judge you for them. And the members inside are all super helpful and forthcoming, really quite vulnerable with each other and opening up about, you know, what has worked for them and what hasn't worked for them. And then we do uh, every month I do what I call a member makeover, which is when I go through uh, with a screencast video, reviewing someone's website and looking at all the different places that, you know, they could make changes to improve conversions on their website and I have a VIP tier as well which also includes you know we do a private call once a Mm -hmm. month and I also do accountability check-ins with those people which is proving to be really fun and a fun way to like hold people to the fire for what they said they were gonna do last week and Mm -hmm. hey why didn't you do that what's the problem here and I've noticed people get things done when they know someone's going to be asking them why they didn't get it done.
0: Or throwing them in the fire. Right. (laughs)
1: And you recently wrote a blog post about accountability too, right?
2: Yeah. I love accountability. It's it's something that's really funny. It's like a really helpful way to trick yourself. It's one of those things (laughs) like setting a deadline. Like even if nothing's going to happen at this deadline... You can still trick yourself, and thinking it has to be done by this deadline. But with accountability, I mean, like obviously, you know whether it's a mastermind group you're a part of, something like the Wedding Business Collective, uh, it's just you and a friend holding yourself accountable. They're not going to yell at you, but it's the feeling that you're going to let them down. Yes, and that allows you. To suddenly find the time to get the stuff done that you said you were going to get done.
1: Yeah. Jen, my wife Jen, and I, we run our business together. And oh gosh, the feeling of having to tell her I didn't get something done is like the worst feeling in the world.
2: It sucks. It's like, you know, this big letdown. Like I said I was going to do it and I didn't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't want to feel that way again. So you don't do it. Absolutely. It's just a great way to trick your brain.
0: (laughs) Yeah. When uh, I was living in Indianapolis, uh, I was like dead set on getting like in shape and getting healthy. And so I went the like whole personal trainer route, knowing that I was like spending way too much money. Um, And to all the personal trainers that listen to this podcast, I'm sure you're so worth it. But um I had to like pay that money so that I could hold myself accountable just to go to the gym. And, uh, it was amazing. Like the little, you know, tricks your brain will try to play on you. Like, uh, you know, I think the personal trainer probably needs a break today. You should just like not, not go. He deserves that that $75 to do nothing if you don't show up. (laughs) But Dustin, then you have to apologize to your bank account yeah and my and that was why i would always go i would always go and then as soon as i moved home or moved back here to fort wayne and didn't do a personal trainer it was much harder to convince myself to go to the gym
2: it's so funny
0: So having that person to hold you accountable is huge
2: it's so funny how it works it's just this great way to because you know in our businesses just like you know something personal like going to the gym there's no one there to make you do it right and you kind of need someone to make you do it Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely just like i need steve to make me do alt text (laughs) i'm not gonna help with that um (laughs) heidi are you ready to play a game (gasps) yeah dustin are you ready to play a game Oh, steve i am always ready to play a game
1: Well, based on that gif that I love so much that made me want to do this interview with Heidi, the game is all about (laughs) DuckTales.
2: Or should I say, ooh. Which,
1: which.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect.
1: Dustin, I don't know. You're a little young. I don't know if you recognize that. That was the uh, theme song to DuckTales that Heidi was just singing. Um, (sighs) So. The game's gonna be real quick. I've got 10 questions, five for each one of you. Um, I'm gonna read off the question, and then uh, most of the questions are gonna be multiple choice. I'll give you two different things. You just have to pick one of them. Um, And then there are a few, since, a few just for Heidi, since I know that she actually knows what DuckTales is, and I'm not certain that (laughs) that Dustin does, where she might have to name off
0: characters and stuff like that. I watched DuckTales when I was a wee lad and I can't say that I recall any specifics about it. Well, that's that's
1: great. That's what I love to hear (laughs) because I love it when you lose. So without further ado, let's get started. Let's play some DuckTales trivia. Dustin, where did the show take place? Was it in Duckburg or Duckville?
0: Duck. Berg.
1: What the heck was that? <laughs> Pick one. Duckville. Oh, Dustin, I'm sorry. That is incorrect. It's Ugh. Duckburg. All right, Heidi, this next one's for you. What are the names of the three boy ducks?
2: Oh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie.
1: Absolutely, that's correct. All right, Dustin, this next one is for you. What is the name of the gang after Scrooge's money? Is it the Duck Gang or the Beagle Boys?
0: Um, let's go Beagle Boys just because that sounds ridiculous.
1: Dustin, on the scoreboard, that's correct.
0: Ooh.
1: All right, Heidi. Um what is the name of scrooge's scottish enemy is it pennysworth or glumgold
2: pennysworth
1: oh i'm sorry it is glumgold what
2: a name yeah
1: all right dustin what was the name of the mechanic slash inventor in Duckburg? was it gyro or gizmo i'm gonna just say gizmo because that sounds cooler oh i'm sorry dustin that's incorrect it was gyro (sighs) All right, Heidi. What is Scrooge McDuck's like lucky item? Is it a dime or a silver dollar? I'm
2: going to say silver dollar.
1: Oh, that's what I thought too, but it's actually a dime. Dustin, where did Scrooge McDuck keep his money? Was it in the bank vault or was it in the money bin?
0: Um money bin dustin that's surprisingly correct i'm proud of you buddy (laughs) i have no reference to what why or what or all right heidi
1: what was the name of scrooge's butler was it duckworth or duck fred duckworth absolutely that is correct dustin what was the name of the witch was it sorceressa or magica de spell Uh, Say it again. Sorceressa or Magica de Spell? Uh, Let's go with the second one. Magica de Spell? That is correct. Boom. All right, Heidi. um, Huey, Dewey, and Louie have Uncle Scrooge, but they also have another uncle. Do you know what that uncle's name is?
2: Donald Duck. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Why is this... I feel like uh, there's a difference in softballs here versus some harder questions being thrown my way. Uh,
1: you know, Dustin, it's all tied up, so <laughs> maybe don't complain so much. You're doing good this time. Usually you're down at this point. I'm proud of you, buddy. All right, we're going to go to the bonus round. Um, the bonus round is called Bullshit or Both, where I make stuff up, or it's in uh, two different things. So we're going to be looking at DuckTales, Darkwing Duck, and Tailspin. For these ones, Uh, Darkwing Duck and Tailspinner, other Disney shows, Dustin, that were on at the same time as DuckTales, if you didn't know. We didn't have a TV back then. So, and these just go, I'm going to read the thing off, and you just yell out both or bullshit as quickly as you can, and whoever gets it right first gets two points, and if you both get it wrong, you both get it wrong.
0: You guys ready? Ready. So wait, 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 just so I'm clear, we either say bullshit or both. That is correct. Okay. So Wait, wait, do I get a point for that? nope <laughs> stop
1: trying to hack the system man <laughs> all right
0: launchpad
1: Quack is a character in both ducktales and darkwing duck both
0: both
1: oh dustin did answer first so i'm gonna have to give that one to him Oh. oh man i hate to ooh, see ooh, this ooh, <laughs> <laughs> all right
2: oh no it's good it's good <laughs>
1: Next up, Blue the Bear is a character in both Tailspin and DuckTales.
2: Bullshit.
1: That is correct. <sighs> Tied up again. All right, last one. Scrooge McDuck, a character in DuckTales, also makes appearances in Darkwing Duck.
2: Bullshit?
1: Well, both. Just going to say the opposite.
2: <laughs> no,
1: that's out of character for you, Dustin. And unfortunately, you are correct. Damn it. <laughs> What so do Dustin I win, Steve? What do I win? Not my respect.
0: <laughs> Don't worry, Heidi. He'll go through and re edit the episode so that I lose. <laughs> <laughs> Heidi,
1: are you ready to take some questions from the internet? <gasps>
0: sure.
1: She said yes. She said yes? Okay. I couldn't hear over your gasping. I was Dustin. just, I get so excited. <laughs> this is my favorite very part. Very dramatic.
0: Yeah. All right, I'm Heidi. hyped up on like five shots of espresso right now. Let's do some Q&A. What? What's
1: Our first question comes from Yahoo Answers. Oh, boy. And it is this. Did you know the wedding industry is marketing adult diapers to
0: brides? It's about time. <laughs> that is the entirety of the question.
2: <laughs> that... Is that a question? <laughs> That's odd. <laughs> Why?
0: they're also making this thing and I don't know if we've talked about this on earlier episode but it's like um like a device that a woman would place over her um kitten caboodle and it's like a funnel so that they could pee standing up like a man
2: i've heard of those for like uh camping
0: yeah camping and road trips was it was its original purpose but now people are starting to say like this is this is awesome for like your wedding day
2: i can actually see how that would be easier physically
0: probably probably slightly better than a diaper though you know yeah yeah so uh that
1: question was in response to another question that was asked on yahoo answers where somebody was just asking, uh, has anybody tried a bridal diaper and what their reasons were for doing it?
0: Do they come like very lacy? Steve, have you actually looked up what a bridal <laughs> diaper looks like? I mean, I'm I'm picturing them bedazzled. Uh, I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain they're just depends.
1: Oh. I'm pretty certain they're just depends that the uh, wedding shops are selling and they're bridal diapers. Um, but Heidi, I was wondering, with your vast experience in selling shit. <laughs> How would you go about selling bridal diapers?
2: Oh, that's a good question. So, hmm, I'd have to figure out what problem it solves. Like, because you have to be willing to give sit,
0: up a lot. Sit in your piss for the day.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Possibly more than just that.
0: You never know. Right. And one too so many I mean... buffalo wings. <laughs>
2: I I would definitely have to figure out what the problem it solves is because everything you sell always solves some sort of a problem.
1: I think the problem is just that it's very difficult to get the dress off and a lot of times brides need help with that. Mm-hmm. And so it makes it so they don't have to worry about that on the wedding day.
2: I would sell it based on convenience, then, but I wouldn't. On mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't personally buy into it. Or uh, a but time I would say issue. It's
0: for,
2: oh yeah, yeah.
0: Like just not having the time to go to the bathroom.
2: Yeah.
1: You just walk up to somebody like at the reception, and they're just really boring you, and you just. Uh, <laughs> and you're like, what is going on right now? Your face is
0: turning red. <laughs> I'm just picturing like the receiving. <laughs> the receiving line like after the ceremony and like uncles and aunts are like coming through hugging and you're like like get that really awkward long hug and you're like hold on oh, yeah thanks for coming oh, this is what so I think could, if you take a big whiff <laughs> you could <laughs>
2: definitely sell it as you having a secret that you can use against the family <laughs> members that you don't like <laughs> Question, at
0: what point during the wedding day do you take the diaper off? Mm. Uh, When you're very
1: close to a shower. Very, very close to a shower. So I read that off to my wife, and we talked about it for a little bit, and she pointed me to a less gross option called the bridal buddy, which is like a net you wear under your dress. And then when you have to use the restroom, you pull your dress to the front and then grab the net and pull the net up and it just holds your dress up above you so you can use the restroom without needing any help from anybody else.
2: I would rather sell that. <laughs>
0: I've seen this on Shark Tank. Yes, that was
1: on Shark Tank, Dustin. And uh, it's it's not super expensive, but there's and you can buy them from China for like $9 now. So I don't know how well that Shark Tank thing's going to do. So on to our next question from the Yahoo Answers. Um, Heidi, this question is just how to market self as wedding singer. I wanted to get gigs singing at actual weddings, not just for friends, but on a regular basis for extra money. There aren't auditions or anything like that. Anyone have any ideas how to get my name out there?
2: The first place I have everyone start is figuring out who it is that you wanna work with. And if you don't know, right off the bat, make it up. Does not matter. All that matters is that you have a target because it's a lot easier to hit a bullseye on a target that you know exists than one that maybe doesn't. If you're just kind of Mm -hmm. spinning around with a blindfold on firing arrows at will.
0: Sounds like my life.
2: (laughs) So the most important thing, and it's what I wrote the book about is actually understanding the person you're trying to work with as a human being, because, Mm -hmm. We think of them as like their brides or their grooms. And it's like, okay, that's something they are on a day of their life. Mm -hmm. But it's not a personality trait. You know, it's not who they are. It doesn't say anything about what they care about or what they value. So you really need to think about this person in terms of who they are as a human being. And I mean, if you're first starting off, you might not have anyone to talk to. But if you know someone... Even if they aren't getting married, who you feel like kind of fits that mold, that kind of personality. Asking them questions that can help you figure out what matters most to them can be super helpful. And mm-hmm. for those of you who do have previous clients, this, you know this is what I go through in the book: interviewing your clients to figure out why. You know why did they want to hire? A photographer at all. Why you, why this style, what actually mattered? Because mm-hmm. the thing that happens a lot is that you try to market to someone and you're marketing to them based on what you assume they care about. And so to use wedding planners as an example, a lot of wedding planners will market based on the idea that the person doesn't have enough time. Yeah. Which could be true, but maybe it's like number five in a list of reasons why they want to work with a wedding planner. So someone marketing based solely on that kind of messaging isn't going to connect. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's they want something really personalized. Maybe it's they don't want to have that kind of stress. Maybe it's a family dynamic that is presenting some sort of an issue. So... Mm -hmm. If you have that kind of an understanding, and I would definitely invest the time in it, that's where you build your marketing from. That's where you figure out what to say on social media, what to say on your website, uh, what to tell people that you do at you know networking events. For instance, I tested a couple different ways of describing what I do, mm-hmm. and I tested that I help Wedding professionals grow their business without going crazy in the process, or I help wedding professionals make more money without going crazy in the process. To my surprise, make more money got shut down. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So that wasn't what people wanted to hear from me because Somewhere in their mindset, it wasn't specifically about making money. It was about growing their business. Mm. So it's definitely starting from a place of understanding whether you have people that you can talk to or you just have to think about and observe online the way people are talking about the problem that you want to solve can make it a lot easier because what you have to do is connect the dots between your solution and their problem. Mm. And from there, I mean you can use that kind of messaging anywhere. You can use it on social, you can use it on your website, you can use it on any print materials, ads, all that good stuff.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So I've got one last Yahoo answers question for you. What are the best marketing plan for a wedding service provider? The wedding industry is very clickish and people come and go all the time. What's the best
0: plan for staying should I stay or should I go now?
2: That was beautiful. Thanks.
0: Just I was the one that asked the wedding singer question earlier on Yahoo Answers, so I appreciate you finding that. <laughs> <laughs> Dustin's always
1: transitioning. He started out as a wedding DJ, now he's a wedding photographer, and now he's a what? Or then he was a wedding photographer. Now he's a wedding photographer slash videographer slash photo boother, and you're <laughs> going to transition into singing as well.
0: Should I stay or should I go now? I don't.
1: I don't know that that song in particular will be great at wedding Dustin, but <laughs> I appreciate the effort. Very Shot nice. Shot through
0: the heart. The... No,
2: <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. So what is the best plan? It sounds like they're asking two different questions here. Yes. Like how do I market myself, but also like longevity of the business.
1: Mm-hmm, correct. Yeah. I think, I think they're more concerned about the clickishness than necessarily just how to market themselves.
2: Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, that definitely does happen with any relatively tight-knit industry. I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you could say that like dentists are clickish. <laughs> they're the only ones that do what they do and they probably have all sorts of politics within them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have found that The best way to form a relationship with someone that you want to have, whether it's like a working relationship, a referral type relationship, whatever. Or if you want to, uh, maybe it's a journalist and you want to get covered for something, is to lead with adding value and to lead with helping them in Mm -hmm. some way. So... This might look like at first you're, you know, monitoring these people on social media and you're chiming in with things that you can help with. You know, you're making recommendations. It might be that, you know, you've heard them somewhere and you just want to tell them that you really love their work and you're leading with just being a good person before you ask for something. Because typically where this goes wrong is when you lead with Hey, can you send me referrals? Mm-hmm. And it's like, who the hell are you? Yeah. Like, I don't know you, so no. Um, <laughs> <but> <laughs> the way a lot of my clients and the way that I've built a lot of good relationships is, you know, just starting off on social media, just interacting with them. And if they're nearby, taking them out for a coffee and just... Mm-hmm being a person having chat with them and building that relationship that way and then having an actual strategy for keeping in touch with them because a lot of relationships die after that first well-meaning interaction but Mm -hmm. if you're never in contact with them afterwards I mean it's obviously not going to yield the benefits that you're after
1: yeah so let's say you're you're just now getting to a new market and uh you want to connect with somebody and you know just go out for coffee or something how do you approach that in like your message to them on instagram or through an email or whatever
2: so i would start by starting to engage with them on instagram so they get familiar with you know your name your face Mm -hmm. and then typically the way i recommend people reach out is just by emailing them directly uh giving them some sort of actual genuine compliment. Maybe it's something about their work, what they do. Maybe it's something they posted recently. uh, And that, you know, you think that there could be some opportunities for you to, to work together. So you'd love to take them out for a drink, for coffee, you know, whatever it is so that you guys can just have a chat. And a lot of people are very open and receptive to that because you're not asking them for anything. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's where it very easily gets shut down as people go in with this motive of getting something out of this person and that shuts down any possibility for a friendship or a working relationship in any way.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's really great advice. Heidi, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, hanging out with me and Dustin and Giving us tons of great advice. Uh we're actually we're not gonna share this episode
0: with anyone. This was just for us so we could get better at what yep, we do. This was our own little master class.
2: Oh, okay, cool.
1: <laughs> Sorry you <laughs> wasted your time.
0: <laughs> um
1: <laughs> before we go, real quick though, um, do you wanna let people know where they can find you on the internet? I mean, we kind of talked about your book and everything already, but uh if you wanna just say like where they can find your book, where they can find your website, are you If you're on social media, where they can hit you up there, uh, where they can find you on Napster. You want to talk about like your your secret Facebook group, anything like that?
2: My secret Napster group. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I wish that was a thing. Actually, I don't because I don't like to wait four days to download music anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) On dial up. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And then they they get off their computer and it just ruins the whole thing. So you can find me, uh, my central hub for everything is at evolveyourweddingbusiness.com. And that is my name on pretty much all social media. I do have a face, Facebook group. Uh, there are, I believe, over 3,000 people in it now.
0: Holy and,
2: moly. Um, yeah, it's awesome. It's fun. I get to interact with a lot of... No
0: wonder you have so many friends. <laughs> Steve's Facebook group and uh, is just he and I.
2: Oh, just but talk. that's nice. That's intimate.
0: That's, that describes our relationship—awkwardly <laughs> intimate. That's our tagline for this podcast.
1: We just get on Facebook and poke each
0: other a bunch.
2: I uh, like. Can you still do that?
0: I have no idea. Only, only in our Facebook group.
2: Ah, uh, special one. Well, you can poke people in my Facebook group, which you can find, you can search for, uh, evolve your wedding business community, or you can go to evolve your wedding slash group, and it'll redirect you there. Um, yeah. So you can find the book as well from my main site or on Amazon. It's called clone your best clients and the wedding business collective is at the wedding business or you can find that through my website as well. And Right there, you can start a free 10-day trial, see if it's right for you, if you think it's going to be beneficial, and stay or go. And then you can ask yourself that that question.
0: The question mm. is,
2: should I stay or should I go now?
0: <laughs> Just went full circle with that one. You're yeah. so good at this game, Heidi. Heidi, <laughs> if after
1: listening to Dustin do that, you want to go, we completely understand. <laughs>
0: oh well perfect Heidi thank you so much again you've been fantastic I personally have learned a ton uh, mainly that I need to get my ass up and show my blind friend Google how to find my images and
1: yeah you gotta get that virtual assistant Dustin
0: yeah I I got an intern starting in May so I'm trying to save some work for her Heidi thank you
1: so much for coming on the show
2: thank you so much for having me this is a lot of fun
0: that's what we're all about, Heidi. We're all about that fun.
1: Sorry if I'm stuttering and stuff. I just I don't know how to say goodbye to people.
0: <laughs> Without that <laughs> awkward hug. It's just like you just like yeah. kind of just extended and you're like, oh, uh, see you go see, 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 see you later, Dustin. See you later, Heidi. Heidi. Thanks, Thanks so much for, for joining, joining us again. again. Have a good one, Thanks
2: Heidi. so much, guys. Ooh, or should I say, ooh. Which?
1: Wedding photo hangover is edited by Steve Van Elk from Bespoke Tone. You
0: can hit up Bespoke Tone for all of your photo, video, or audio editing needs.